I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. If you listen to Monday's episode, you will have heard that I recently traveled to Florence with my husband Claudio and my son Aurelio. I talk all about that trip on Monday's episode, particularly focusing on the memories that it evoked and the sensations that I was feeling reliving past trips to Florence that I have had and uh, and reliving my favorite film of all time, A Room with a View. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode first. Today, I'm presenting you with something a little bit more practical, which is a short list of places to go in, in Florence, and particularly places that are not the Uffizi, the Accademia, or the Duomo. Obviously, those three places are amazing, and you shouldn't miss them, but you all know about those places, and you all know to go there. So here are some places that perhaps if it's your second visit to Florence, or if you have several days there, maybe even a week, if you're lucky, places that are maybe not on the very, very top of the tourist attraction list, but are nevertheless really great places to go. I'm going to start with the Pitti Palace. As I mentioned in Monday's episode, I visited the Pitti Palace, or Palazzo Pitti, as it is officially called, uh, when I was there last. And uh, the only other time I'd ever been there was when I went to Florence for the first time at 14. It is absolutely magnificent, and I really think that it's not a common place that people go when they visit Florence, which is kind of unbelievable considering it is full of amazing paintings by Raphael, Botticelli, Perugino, Caravaggio, Titian, and so many others. There are just so many amazing works of art there, and it's really not crowded. It's not empty, but it's not going to be crowded the way the Uffizi is so absolutely overwhelmingly crowded. It's a re- it makes for a really enjoyable afternoon, particularly because it is attached to beautiful gardens, the Boboli Gardens, some of the most famous gardens in the world. Uh, you can buy a combined ticket, which I highly recommend, because after you've been in a museum, no matter how amazing that museum is, it's always nice to go outside and get some fresh air and walk through greenery. So that's probably the number one place that I would recommend for anyone visiting Florence for the second time or, you know, once they've checked off those those top, top sites. Now, speaking of Palazzo Pitti, the second place that I recommend is actually a place that I was not able to visit because it is under restoration. And in fact, it's been under restoration, my tour guide told me, for several years. And every year they kind of say, this May, it's going to be reopened. And so far it hasn't been reopened. But just in case... I highly recommend, even though I haven't been there, a visit to the Vasari Corridor, designed, of course, by the famous, most famous art historian of all time, Giorgio Vasari, who was also an artist himself. It is, from what I understand, a passageway, a once private passageway that was sort of like, if you, if you know Rome, you know the Passetto was the Pope's passageway between the Vatican and Castel Sant'Angelo. This is kind of like the... Medici family's own passageway from their palace, Palazzo Pitti, across the river and all the way into the center of Florence. And it ends in a church, and I cannot remember which church it is, but it is 
really a fascinating idea that they would have their own private passageway so that they wouldn't have to mingle with the commoners. And also, just for the, for the simple reason that they were in constant physical danger of being assassinated. So one day, hopefully, the, Vasor, the Vasari corridor will reopen and I will be one of the, uh, that will be one of the first places that I go once it is reopened. Now, a place that I had never visited before on any of my previous trips to Florence is the Medici tombs. And I'd already always heard about them, but I never really exactly knew what they were. And uh, they're located at San Lorenzo, the Church of San Lorenzo, which is very centrally located, just a few, just a short walk from the Duomo. And it was the actual Medici family church. This is the church that they would have, have frequented. And it has tombs of almost every important member of that family. Now, some of the tombs are in the church itself, and some of the tombs are in sort of an annexed section that is physically behind the church. So you have two entrances, actually. You have the entrance to the church itself on one side and the entrance to the so-called Medici tombs on the opposite side. And really both are worth visiting. But unfortunately, you have to pay separately, two separate tickets. Uh, now, as far as the, the actual Medici tombs, which you enter from the back, it's a little bit confusing. And in fact, when we walked in, I'd heard so much about them. I'd heard that they were absolutely spectacular. And you walk into this sort of semi-underground space, and all you see are a few plaques on the ground and a couple of paintings and some information, some family trees. And it's, it's interesting, especially if, like me, you're very, very interested in the Medici family. But it's not anything particularly exciting. What I discovered, what we soon discovered, was that while those were the actual physical tombs of those people, they were not the monuments. So you continue on and you go up a staircase and you go into this kind of... <laughs> unbelievably decorative, enormous space. It is, it's an octagonal space that is covered in polychromatic marble and gold leaf and ceiling frescoes. It's, it's one of those places that, like many places of that period, the Baroque period, the 1600s, it is over the top. It is one of those places where your eyes cannot really find a place to rest because it's decorative overload. Uh, but it's beautiful and it's definitely something worth seeing. There you will see the monuments of people like Ferdinand, Ferdinando I, Cosimo II, Francesco I, the great leaders of the Medici family from the late 1500s into the 1600s. But that's not all. There's more. You go down another staircase and you get to the the sort of gem of this so-called museum, technically not a museum, uh, which is the Michelangelo monuments that he created for the earlier generation of the Medici family, the Medicis of the 1500s. While it is not opulent and spectacular in the way that the earlier part is, it is probably much more artistically valuable uh, because you have actual sculptures. Not every single one is by Michelangelo, but at least three or four are the works of Michelangelo's own hand. So if you've seen the David, if you've seen the Pietà in Rome, if you've seen the Moses in Rome, 
there is not an overabundance of Michelangelo sculptures. It's, there's, a limited, there's a limited number of them. And there are several very, very exceptional ones in this place that are, are uh, absolutely worth seeing if you're a fan of Michelangelo or just a fan of art, full stop. Now, speaking of the David, you probably know that the David is at the Academia, so I'm not going to go into that. But there's another David, another very famous, a little bit less famous David in Florence that often gets ignored by tourists who don't have enough time. And that is Donatello's David. Donatello's David is so different. I mean, I don't think you could get two more different sculptures of the same subject done in less than 100 years of each other. Michelangelo's David, of course, is done in the first decade of the 1500s. Donatello's David was done, as far as art historians have been able to conclude, probably in the 1440s, although that's not known for fact. Um, it is in bronze. It is located in the Bargello Museum, which has several different locations. You have to look up the exact location of it. But it is really unusual because, first of all, it is famous for being the very first freestanding human sculpture since antiquity, which is kind of incredible if you think about it. And it is also the first unsupported freestanding sculpture cast in bronze during the Renaissance, the very first one. So just for those two reasons alone, I think it's worth, uh, worth visiting that museum to see. And it's also just, like I said, very, very, a very different interpretation of David, of who he was. Michelangelo's David is this incredibly muscular, manly work, whereas Donatello's David is really, he really looks like an adolescent boy who has not fully reached puberty yet. It's very effeminate, it's very graceful and very delicate, and of course it's cast in bronze, so it has a completely different look. Um, there's also a little bit of controversy behind it, so um, so it's interesting for that reason. Now, as far as churches, of course you know about the Duomo, but there are two very other important, there are probably hundreds of other important churches to visit in Florence, but for our purposes, two really, I think, unmissable churches in Florence. And one of them is, of course, Santa Croce. Now, if you like a room with a view like I do, if you're obsessed with a room with a view like I am, you, you will not be able to skip Santa Croce on your visit to Florence because that is the church that Lucy visited, visits in the film, in the, in the book. Um, there are some really, really amazing tombs in Santa Croce. For me, that's the main reason to go there. It's kind of like going to Westminster Abbey. You see tombs of so many important figures from, from history and from art. You know, it's really just, it's just kind of amazing to be there, to be where those people are buried. And just a short list, because of course there are many, many more important figures buried there. Um, we have Leon Battista Alberti, a great, amazing Renaissance architect. Lorenzo Ghiberti, who if you've been to Florence, you've probably heard of because he cast the unbelievable doors of the baptistry. Machiavelli, the great writer who wrote The Prince, the opera composer Rossini, and of course, Michelangelo. And also, because I'm presently obsessed with him right now and reading his biography, Galileo Galilei. 
So all of these characters are, are buried there. There are two other very important historical figures, two important Florentines who are not buried there, but who have plaques there, Dante and Da Vinci. Buried elsewhere, but their plaques, uh, their commemorative memorial plaques are in Santa Croce. And the other church I think you should visit, and it's something that I didn't even really know about until I started writing the book that I'm currently writing right now is the Church of San Miniato al Monte. It's a bit of a hike to get to, and I would highly suggest taking a cab to get there, although I think the walk back is probably quite nice. But you want to go up there at sunset because it's high up on a hill on one of the highest spots in the entire city. And once you get up to the top of the hill, you even continue going up by way of stairs. And uh, the church itself is medieval. It's very old. It was built around the year 1000. And it's one of the most important Romanesque structures in Tuscany. It's full of, I mean, the floor is just covered in tombs. You're just walking over people's tombs, which I, I just find to be so eerie and evocative. It has beautiful interior, very stark, but very beautiful interior decorations and frescoes. And it has a fascinating stone horoscope on the ground, on this, basically in the central nave. You cannot walk up the central nave because they don't want you to damage this. Um, but it is really, really interesting. It was made around the year 1200. And there are some really amazing things that it does that they didn't discover until the past century. For example, on the summer solstice, a ray of light comes through one of the windows and lights up the sign of cancer on this horoscope. So really fascinating stuff. Um, and of course, from the outside, you just have this beautiful view at sunset of the entire city spread before you sparkling. It's really, I would say, top five of the things to do and see in Florence. And lastly, the Galileo Museum. To continue my obsession with Galileo, you will find two of Galileo's telescopes there, his original telescopes, some of the lenses that he cut with his very own hands, some of his books, facsimile copies, unfortunately, but dating to his time. So they're not written out in his hand, of course, but they are, they are contemporary to him. And even his middle finger. Now, the story of how and why Galileo's middle finger was cut off and put in this museum, I have not yet discovered, but I am going to figure that out one day. And there are all sorts of other things in there, many different instruments, everything you could imagine. It's, it's not just a Galileo museum, it's a, it's a science, a history of science museum. So there are astrolabes and sectors and all sorts of just fascinating objects that were used uh, by the, you know, the early scientists of history. That is a great stop if you have the time. And they also organize laboratories for kids, workshops for kids to participate in. So I think it's a really fun way to get your kids interested in science and the history of science. I hope you've enjoyed this look at seven maybe less well-known things to see and do in Florence. And if you're planning a trip to Florence, please get in touch with us because I have a couple of wonderful guides in Florence, history guides, history and art guides, as well as food tour guides. And so if you are interested in 
taking a tour with one of these people, I would be more than happy to help you set up a tour with one of them. So get in touch if you're on your way to Florence. Also, I will be putting out our next newsletter in the following weeks. I know it's been a long time since you've received one of our newsletters. We are sorry for the silence, but we are relaunching our newsletter this month. And if you're interested in having this information about Florence written down with opening and closing hours, with websites and addresses and other pertinent information, make sure if you're not already signed up that you sign up for our newsletter. Um, I'm also going to include in the newsletter some restaurant recommendations because I got some very, very good recommendations from friends and I want to share those secrets with you guys. Uh, so sign up for our newsletter. You can do that by just visiting our website, thebittersweetlife.net, or you can just email us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, bittersweetlifepodcast, and send us a private message with your email address. There are many different ways to sign up. If you send us a message, one of those three ways, we will get you on our list for the next newsletter we send out and you will get all of these insider Florence tips. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again. Bye.